Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can I survive a broken heart? I've got to say, I've been pretty spared when it comes to heartbreak because I was pretty young when I met my husband. And before then, I was a loosey-goosey, so I didn't let anyone close enough to break my heart. But that's not to say I've had evenings on the couch with a bucket of ice cream and two bottles of red, red wine. Like, I know that part of it. Apart from understanding better what heartbreak looks like and how people experience heartbreak, I was also really interested in learning how you can help as the as someone close to you is going through heartbreak, like a family member or a friend. Turns out that setting boundaries with the person that's going through a heartbreak is very normal and you should do that because sometimes you just cannot really carry all of their loss on top of the stuff that you're dealing with. This might sound familiar. I definitely know this. Mackenzie also has an amazing analogy on how to think about loss. So let's jump into it. I have some pretty cool facts and figures. Listen up. A survey of 1,300 people found that the number one comfort women turned to was wine. Broken heart syndrome, also known as Takotsubo syndrome, might have butchered that, is very real and occurs when a person experiences sudden acute stress that rapidly weakens the heart muscle. A lot also happens in our brain. MRI studies of heartbroken people have revealed that heartbreak activates similar mechanisms in the brain to those activated when we experience physical pain. Other MRI studies have found that heartbreak activates the same mechanisms in the brain that gets activated when addicts are withdrawing from substances like cocaine and opioids. These powerful withdrawal symptoms from the loss of love impact our ability to think, focus, and function in the broadest terms. Today's amazing guest is Mackenzie Hennewick. Mackenzie is a relationship coach specialized in personal development and breakups. She started the Hyped Up Healing as a way to help others heal from their heartbreak, let go of old programming and limiting beliefs holding them back, and attract the relationships that they want in their lives, both with others and themselves. Mackenzie is 29 years old and lives in Vancouver. You're not in your 30s yet. You're 29. So I normally ask the very first question, what do you what do you think of your 30s? How are your 30s going? But in your case, what are you expecting of your 30s? To be honest, more adventure, more learning about myself and, and others and the connections around me. 
uh, more personal growth uh, and expansion and just evolving. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that next decade and and also having like more security and, and all of that. Um, I think your 20s, you definitely are kind of like wandering around trying to figure yourself out, trying to get things established a little bit. So I'm expecting the 30s to be a little bit more settled, but still with the same amount of like exploration and, and adventure too. So I'm looking forward to that. Perfect. So it's good to hear that you're looking forward to it. First of all, so we're going to talk about heartbreak today. Well, I am actually very curious. Have you had your heart broken before? 100% many times. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Which is one of the main reasons um, why I wanted to help people with heartbreak and healing from it. Uh, Everything that I learned to help myself and and to not even just get through it, but to come out of it on the other side, like even better. How can you take that experience and come out of it on the other side um, and really use the experience to your advantage? All right. In the facts and figures, I explained that heart heartbreak can impact our ability to think, focus and function. What are some other symptoms of love sickness that you see in your day to day? So much comes with the territory of experiencing that heartbreak. Um, And it can look a little bit different for everyone, of course. Um, But definitely like the main things, um, I would say lots of anxiety, lots of just uh, emotional dysregulation where we're all out of whack and uh, might be going into like fight, flight, um, depression, uh, feeling like it's kind of all consuming and it can kind of be the only thing that you're focusing on at the time. Um, nothing else is really able to take up space in your mind and you feel like this is just consuming you. Uh, some people have trouble, like it can affect their sleep as well. So insomnia, things like that. So it's definitely different for everyone, but those are probably like the main common ones that, that everybody experiences and they just want to know when it's going to end. Yeah, I can imagine that when you're in the middle of it, you have no idea how or when you're going to get out of it. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, I think everybody wants to know what timeline, like, you know, it's been, They'll. I have people ask questions, it's been six months or it's been a year, two years, whatever it is. And how come I'm still not feeling this way or when will this happen? So there's not necessarily a timeline um, specifically, but I think time can only heal and help you if you're moving with it as well. So looking back, and that's what I help people do is looking, taking back like all the layers, peeling them back and looking at, okay, how do we um, adopt like a, a mindset mantra to to get out of this? What are we going to come back to? Also, what is it bringing up in us? Because it tends to relationships in general, and especially when they end, tend to bring up a lot of stuff that was kind of beneath the surface with maybe our childhoods or maybe how we learned to show up in the world. So there's just so much that happens. So that's why I kind of tell people that I can help them through that and, and look at that. But that there's, unfortunately, I wish I could say it'll be like this specific time that you'll uh, it'll start to subside but it's it's always different for everyone i'm so fascinated already i definitely want to talk about that more but i'm wondering can you um compare heartbreak with grief like in grief you have the five steps that people usually go uh, go through is it do you have a similar kind of sort of steps you need to do need to take when you're heartbroken and can you compare grief with heartbreak 
So definitely experiencing heartbreak is so much you so much similar to grieving the loss when someone passes away because we are grieving the loss of having somebody in our lives. The difference obviously is that that person is still very much on this planet walking around. Um, maybe we're still living in the same city as them. Maybe there's a chance of running into them. I've had some people say that they still work with the person that they were in a relationship with, which is challenging. So definitely um, the grieving happens regardless. And it's it's really difficult that the person is still very much here, um, which I think it brings up the questions of, uh, like, you know, do, are they still thinking about me? When will I hear from them again? Why aren't they reaching out? Should I reach out to them? Have they moved on? So all of these things that maybe if it was more of a, a significant ending as opposed to, or sorry, similar to death, then we don't have these questions coming up. But because they're still here, we're wondering, you know, what's the right thing to do? And are they going to contact us? And all these questions come up. So I think the process with heartbreak and and what I've um, taught uh, in one-on-one coaching and what I have um, to outline the course, the breakup level up course um, that's coming out this month, uh, it's a self-paced course. So it, it will walk everybody through like the, the basic steps of, of going through the breakup and coming out of it, breakup level up. So leveling up from it. Um, so the first step is usually just simply acknowledging it all. So that's the part where you're fully like feeling all your feelings going through it. Um, you're, you're having like the proper outlets for it, whatever those may look like. Um, and then the second phase is usually learning how to accept it. How do we start to, uh, change our mindsets around it and, and flip the script and, and start to really accept, uh, that this is, not um, maybe necessarily how we hoped it had have gone and we could still be disappointed, but how do we actually look at the facts and figures and, and deal with what's here? Because I think so often we are attached to the potential of that person, the potential of the relationship, and we hang on to what it should have been. But the faster that we can start to accept what's actually in front of us and release that attachment to that outcome we thought it should have been, um, the faster we can start to heal. And then uh, the third phase is kind of, I call it align. So again, you're just kind of aligning with, okay, what's next for me? Like, How do I get back into a mindset um, of being excited about things, bringing it back to myself, looking at this relationship as the whole instead of just focusing on the ending and how can I take what I learned from it um, and apply it moving forward. And eventually when I'm ready to date again, uh, how can I use the, everything that I learned to to build an even more aligned and, and strong relationship? And in your step two, the kind of finding peace in a relationship that's been ended, I think from what I kind of understand is a lot of people are really sad about what could have been right. Especially when you break up around your thirties, you potentially be thinking about kids, marriage, the, the next phase of your life. And I think that's often the saddest part, correct? We often have an idea of what it's supposed to look like in our heads. And, and when that doesn't work out how it was supposed to, it's very hard to switch that and look at what's in front of us because we're still caught up in, in what it should have been. So I always say 
you know, oftentimes people come to me looking at the just the focusing on the ending of the relationship and how it it should have resulted in in the the marriage or the kids or it should have stayed um, that way, whatever it may be. And then you're forgetting to look at all everything else in the middle, everything else in between, and all the ways in which you opened up to them and you were vulnerable and like all the the triumphs and things that people kind of dismiss just because they're looking at, oh, well, it failed because it didn't, the marriage didn't last or we didn't get to the step of having kids or moving in together. But I'm trying to help them look at all the things that, you know, it played out exactly how it was meant to and look at all the ways that you did show up and everything that you did gain from it. So trying to bring that back and cultivate the faith that it's it's happening as it's meant to, for sure. I like how you're giving that a positive spin, because I can also imagine a lot of people do look at only the really good times and they forget that they were often in a fight or they would disagree on what the future would look like. Surely that also happens a lot. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I think a lot of people will definitely look at, um, yeah, just, just, I call it kind of romanticizing the relationship. So sometimes we think, um, uh, sometimes we think that, yeah, everything was great and, and look at all the things that were working out for us. Um, but at that time, they're not, it, it wasn't really the way that it, it actually was and we're romanticizing it. Um, so sometimes we can have like our rose colored glasses on. Um, and I think that's, that can be really, we need to take those off and start to look at um, actually what's happening. Is that your dog in the background? If she is. Yeah, she's outside. Okay, she's coming in now. She's chilling. Yeah, sorry. She's enjoying the sun because we never get the sun much. So she's outside, but something must have spooked her. Uh-huh. That's totally her. fine. <laughs> so how can you best find peace in a finished relationship? Is it really focusing about the positive things that you've gone through and um, just accepting that it is what it is and the and faith played its course as you said it yeah amazing uh i think well one of the biggest analogies that i like to use when i'm coaching clients is uh picturing when you come to earth you are driving your own car like we go we all come alone and you're driving in your own car along the tracks or whatever it may be the tracks of life and over your time on earth, people are going to come in to the car, into the passenger seat, and then they'll leave and they get off at their stop. So I think start like remembering that and knowing that some people aren't necessarily going to continue with us the same path in the same time that, that we may wish that they would. And some people have to get off at their stop. Some people aren't going to be able to go to where we're going. Um, so I think part of what I do when I coach people is how do we start to cultivate more faith because everyone's like, well, I don't know. I don't have faith that this is, you know, working out for my highest good, but starting to kind of cultivate that muscle um, and, and speaking to either your, your higher self or the universe or God or whatever you may want to identify with or what you may believe in um, and believing that it's all, it's all happening for, the highest good and that we wouldn't be dealt anything that we couldn't handle. So um, I think believing that hindsight is 2020 and essentially 
when we do recover and heal and move on from this relationship, we can all of a sudden look back and think like, oh yeah, this probably wouldn't have worked this way because, you know, that maybe they couldn't have come with me. I can't see them uh, supporting me in this part of my life. Or you can kind of look back at it, but of course, when you're in it, it's hard. So I think remembering that sometimes we have more of like a tunnel vision of how it, it needed to work out. It should have been this or that. Whereas the universe or our highest self or God, they all have more of like an aerial full vision of what's happening. And and they can sometimes, it can sometimes be, um, we know, they know what's happening more than, than we do sometimes and can see what's, what's best for us in the long term, even if we can't see it yet. I really like the analogy. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before, that you're in a car on the treks of life and people just get in and also sometimes have to get off. It's a really... Nice way of thinking about it. For sure. It's so helpful. Um, it's, it can, yeah, it, it of course can apply to even like, you know, your job and, and things like that. Some, some sort of jobs um, don't necessarily work out and people that you meet friendship. Yeah, absolutely. If they get off at their stop, like that, that was their stop. And it doesn't always mean that they might not get back in at some point if it, if it's perfect for you and it's aligned for you too at that time doesn't necessarily mean that it can't come back together maybe as friends or maybe you know romantically way down the line if that wants to work out um but i think just you know not fighting for people to stay and and holding them in your car when it's time for them to to get out i love that um what are some tips to get over heartbreak kind of what I was touching on before is looking at that timeline and looking at um, the fact that we can't be focusing just on how it ended and all the things that it wasn't supposed to do. Um, and instead starting to look at everything in the middle, everything at the beginning, even looking at how you were before you met them and things like that. And maybe it took you a lot of courage to go on the date or meet them, or maybe it took you a while to find them and things like that. So I think looking at those uh, triumphs and, and everything that you did experience as a positive, looking at you opened your heart, you were vulnerable, you, you trusted, you experienced, um, knowing that your breakup doesn't mean that you failed or your divorce. It doesn't mean that you failed. It, it means that you, you, you put yourself out there, you grew, you evolved, um, and now you're being redirected to something. So I think, the biggest tip I have is, is, and what I help people do is just to try and release the attachment that you have to that, what you thought that outcome should have been, um, and start to actually look at what is, and, and that's when the healing can take place. And that's when we really set ourselves free from it. I love that. It doesn't mean that you failed a breakup or divorce. I think that can maybe even be a sort of mantra for people when they're going through break, break, uh, breakups doesn't mean that you failed. You didn't fail. Some people seem to be very lovesick after a breakup and others seem to be fine pretty much straight away and start dating. Why is this so different person to person? And does it matter whether you were dumped or you were the dumper? I think it differs from person to person because it really depends on what's going on underneath. Um, so as I was mentioning before about just every all the, I call them inner child wounds, shadow, like everything that we kind of grew up with learning and, and we were programmed to kind of uh, act a certain way, think a certain way, all of these wounds that may come up, 
they're different for everyone and, and it might shine a light on them further when the breakup happens. So I think some people can feel the heartbreak maybe more because they're allowing themselves to feel it because they're really going through it. They're using all those um, healing tools and, and they're really feeling their feelings. Um, some people, maybe it's because they it, they it triggered something in them and maybe it's reminding them of something or it's bringing up a lot. Um, maybe it's an abandonment wound. There's a bunch of different things that might be coming up that's kind of uh, making it uh, really just kind of like putting it on blast. Um, so there's so many factors that come into play into terms of how someone might handle the breakup. I think a lot of people will ask me, you know, um, it looks like they're dating someone and it's, it seems to be quite quick to me. Like it's, it's only been this amount of time. Did that mean I meant nothing, all of that. And I always say that like, we can't, we can't assume that that's what that means specifically. It, it could also mean that this person just hasn't really looked at their, their stuff and they, and they're just kind of maybe avoiding it and they just haven't dealt with it. Um, if they're in a new relationship, it might mean that, you know, they, they didn't, it doesn't mean that that relationship is better or that they're, they've changed or worked on anything. Um, so I think just making sure that we're not assuming these types of things and, and just looking at, um, everybody handles different things differently and that we all have our ways to kind of either shut down or maybe we just go right into it. So just acknowledging that it's always going to be different, um, person to person for sure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you feel like someone who doesn't work on themselves after a breakup and maybe avoids those emotions, that wound that opens up, do you think they'll hit a wall later down the line regardless? If we haven't looked at things, maybe it has something to do with the fact that uh, we haven't kind of been shaken enough to. So sometimes, you know, losing someone or going through something health related or like a, a job loss or whatever big change it might be is often the times where we kind of tend to start to be catapulted into looking at, okay, something needs to change here. And we start to look a bit more inwards. So I definitely think um, it's possible. Obviously, the the want needs to be there. Um, you have to want to do the work. You have to want to change. And you have to be willing to, to look at things that might feel uncomfortable, for sure. So um, if the want is there, for sure. Um, otherwise, it is possible, for sure, to just kind of turn a blind eye and just keep going how you're going. Um, it's all dependent on whether or not you are choosing to awaken and, and wake up. If people that are listening don't feel like they can figure it out alone, what kind of help can you look for? Do you kind of automatically end up at a relationship coach like you are? The amazing thing is the beautiful amount of access that we have to an unlimited amount of resources out there now. So podcasts, uh, TikToks, reels, YouTube videos, um, yeah, relationship coach, breakup coach, all of that. Um, for sure are, are super helpful. And I would say, um, the mo one of the most popular, uh, ways to kind of heal and get support. 
because it is really beneficial to have a neutral third party perspective. So when people are uh, coming to me and, and we're doing a coaching session, it's often really refreshing for them to not have to speak to uh, someone that, you know, knew them and knew their ex-partner and knew, you know, knows them so well. So it's really helpful if you have a coach or a therapist, whoever it may be, that doesn't know you, doesn't know um, your ex uh, and, and doesn't know your situation and can really provide like a complete fresh set of eyes um, and give you some insights that maybe people close to you couldn't help you get to and, and help you see because they're too close to you. Um, so I would say that is, uh, you know, talking things out and, and having that having someone uh, assign you some soul work, I call it too, where after the end of every session, they have uh, different assignments that they'll do, like just journaling prompts and things like that, that'll help them. I think having someone to kind of keep you accountable, someone to check in on you, things like that is really helpful. Um, as well as I would say another way to kind of find help is books. Books are, uh, of course, have been huge for, for myself as well, just in general with personal development. So books, um, there's even like emotional freedom technique tapping where you're tapping on like the meridian points of your body. So, um, and, and talking through that thing. So there, there's so many ways that you can find help and, and heal and start to change the narrative. I would love to get some of those resources and some tips of books from you later, and I'll put it on the website, 30andabit.com. And what you were just saying about wanting a third person to help you out and getting that perspective, I can imagine that being really good because after like talking about it, often nonstop because it's so all consuming um, being lovesick to your friends for like months and months as a friend, me just speaking for myself, I also get kind of sick of it at some point. And I just want to shake them be like, we need to get over this and we need to get to the next stage. And I don't usually say that because it's obviously not great. It's not very uplifting, but I think that might be a good reason to also go to a coach where you have that third person because like you want to be a really good friend and you want to be that ear nonstop. But after a while, as a friend, you are kind of checking out. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's so true um, that we really have to have uh, as a friend or family member that's supporting someone going through divorce or breakup it's we need to have some sort of boundary in place too, which is such a tricky subject around something that, you know, is, is so sensitive. So I think we feel bad. We want to be there for them, but at the same time, there has to be some sort of boundary, not just for your benefit and your ability to like, you know, offer advice and be that supportive um, listening person for them, but also for their benefit, because we do need people who kind of love us and gently push us in the direction of like, okay, like I'm going to give you this long to talk about it or like, okay, let's go out and like get your mind off this and do something else. Okay. This is really interesting. So as friends or family, it is okay after a while to be like, let's sit down 15 minutes. You can tell me anything you want. I'm going to be the best listener in the world. But after that, we're not going to talk about it for the rest of the dinner. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. I honestly, my opinion is, yeah, I think it's really helpful. And I honestly think, um, like you said, you know, the way that you said it was perfect. I honestly think 
if you're if it's coming from a place of love and acknowledgement and even if you tie something in about you know this is gonna help you in the long run or like in the future you know we'll we'll look back on this and we'll be grateful for it like whatever you however you kind of want to pitch it to them i think it is if they're open to receiving that um and it comes from your heart then i think it's it's totally okay like in general we're allowed to have boundaries and and we're we're not always going to be the best amount of support and and be able to kind of take on what people might be loading on to us yeah i actually think that's a good point also looking at it from the other the other way as the person with the heartbreak how much can you put on your friends and family like how much can they carry for you Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think with anything, and that's what I talk about too, with just in general, when people want to get into dating or are going through um, looking at their childhood patterns and inner wounds and things that are showing up in their dating life. um, For sure, we definitely go to our friends and family um, to talk about things, uh, which is great. But there's, we all, I think, could, can benefit from, um, working on that people pleasing and, and looking at how do we, draw some boundaries and and make sure that everybody's supported. Everyone is, has enough like to give. At what point do you think someone's ready to date again? Wonderful question. I honestly think this is one of the biggest questions um, that comes up (laughs) in the community. Everyone's like, should I get out there again? Uh, So again, not, there's not really a timeline wish there was in a sense just to make it easier but I would honestly say sometimes you have to start before you even feel ready because you may never feel ready you might you might always find reasons to kind of stay where you're at um and if we think about anything and and the challenges that we face in general in life we gravitate to what's familiar to us. So not even necessarily what's best for us all the time, even if we're like, oh, I know that this would be better for me if I did this, but we'll, we often stay with what's familiar and what we know. I also recommend to people if they're starting to wonder this question and, oh, should I get out there? What do I do? Um, journal it down, write it down, start to get yourself out there again and, and build your confidence. The obvious question, should you have sex with your ex? I ask everyone three questions, consider these three questions um, when you're thinking of reaching out to your ex, meeting up with them, texting them. So this would definitely apply to if you're wondering if you should have sex (laughs) with them. Um, First, ask yourself, like, what's my intention here? What's my intention? What am I hoping to get out of this? Like, just be honest about, okay, what am I looking to get out of it? And then the second question is, uh, what's changed since we last connected? If anything, has anything changed since we've connected in the past or maybe we haven't talked since it ended? What's changed here, if anything? And then the third question is, how will I feel if I reach out to them, have sex with them and it doesn't go how I want it to go? And am I ready to to go through that? If, if it doesn't go how I want it to go, am I prepared to deal with that? Uh, one thing that I've coached people on is, well, by texting them or having sex with them or meeting up with them, what is it that you're exactly 
looking for. It's usually like a feeling that you're chasing. So is it, you know, you're trying to end the loneliness that you might feel or um, you're wanting that connection again, or maybe you have a lot of anxiety that night and they were always someone to kind of help you calm your anxiety and you're not sure how to do that yourself. So getting clear on like, what feeling am I trying to get from this or avoid from this? Um, and can I get, is it something that I could learn to give to myself instead? Do you think you can remain friends with your ex? So I definitely do. Yeah. Um, I do think you can remain friends with them as long as both of you are on that same page. And as long as both of you are willing to take um, full accountability, full level of commitment into making it work, because I think there's so many things that go into making it work. Um, and oftentimes when we're ending the relationship, people might want to kind of jump into like, okay, well, I still want them in my life. So let's just be friends and we can make this work and I don't want to lose them or stop talking to them. So I would say you definitely, if, if you are feeling like you've kind of evaluated that this could be someone that you maybe could explore friendship with in the future, you definitely still need that space and time to end the romantic relationship and for the relationship to potentially change forms into a friendship later on. And then I think is if you're, if it works out and, and you are, you end up, you know, forming a friendship and, and trying to make that work, you just have to be really mindful of boundaries. You have to be really mindful of um, when or if either of you gets into a relationship again or starts dating. It's definitely not for everyone. And some things like, as we were saying about the car analogy, some people are really meant to get off at that stop. Um, but I do think that it's possible for people to come back in sometimes um, and keep riding along uh, the tracks of life with you further, just in a different way. I think one of those boundaries and ground rules you need to lay down as well um, is how much do you talk about the people that you're dating if you remain friends? A hundred percent. It's so hard because you really, if you really, again, if you really want what's right for that person deep down, you want them to get out there. You want them to love again and, and explore and be loved. And, uh, but for sure you can, it's just keeping the door of communication open with each other and just, uh, figuring out how much you need to, how frequently you need to hear about the person. Um, but for sure, if you're friends with your ex, it's friends talk about other people in their lives. Friends talk about what's happening. So, um, yeah, you just kind of, you might need to filter it a little bit and tweak it uh, depending <laughs> on the two of you. <laughs> and earlier you mentioned as well, different scenarios where you would still run into your ex, like when you're living in the same city or at your work and Something I see a lot as well is people that were friends first become romantically involved, but then break up again. And they're still in this big group of friends that they share. What if you're a new partner coming into, you're starting to date one of these two people. And because they're in this one group of friends, you run into the ex a lot as well. How can you deal with that best as the new person? I honestly think just keeping that like the communication piece is so so important communication and boundaries so just keeping that line of communication open you definitely want to um feel like your feelings are heard feel like you are being prioritized um you know the relationship romantically ended with your new partner and and their ex 
for whatever reasons. Um, and they're actively choosing to explore a, a new relationship with you. Um, so I think at the end of the day, like that relationship comes first, in my opinion, and um, your partner should be wanting to kind of cultivate a nice space between the two of you that's loving and prioritizes each other's needs. Um, because you two as a new couple aren't going to get off to a very good start. And the, the person isn't going to have a very fair shot at building trust with you and, you know, having their, their honeymoon time with you and all of that. Um, if it's kind of, uh, if the ex is kind of in the background a lot and maybe you start to feel that they're being prioritized um, more than you are. So um, I think if you also remember that everyone's coming into a new relationship with different past experiences. Um, and I do believe if it's, if the three of you, it's, if it's all kind of meant to work out and it's um, everyone has everyone's best interest at heart, then it'll flow. It'll flow naturally. And keeping in mind that you should feel like you're being prioritized. I love that as a baseline. Anyone that's listening right now who is going through heartbreak, what can they do starting tonight to kind of chip away at this mountain of sadness? What is something small? Okay, so if I could give anyone just one little takeaway from listening to this right now that's going through it, I would honestly say... Sit down with yourself and determine, decide right now, how do I want to come out of this breakup? Like get quiet, light a candle, like just be quiet with yourself for a little bit, journal if you want, whatever works. And just ask yourself, how am I going to come out of this breakup? What, how do I want to feel? Um, so, you know, is this going to make you or break you? Uh is this a future version of yourself that is going to what, like, what is that future version of yourself going to look like? How are they going to come out of it? Uh, empower yourself and, and bring it back to like, how, how am I going to level up from this? How, how is everything that I've had so far now going to be worth it in a sense, or how am I going to find meaning to it? That's such a good start. Sit with yourself mm -hmm. tonight and think about how, if it's going to make you or break you. I love that. Make or break. Um, <laughs> yes. And I guess then after that would be take responsibility too and start working on how you want to come out of it. Yes, absolutely. That's the key. Yeah, for sure. So once you decide, like, you know, I remember even like the moment that I decided when I was going through one of the worst heartbreaks of my life, I remember the moment that I was just like, okay, how, like, you're just in agony and you're just like, okay, how, how am I going to come out of this? Like, how do I want to level up from this? Is it going to make me or break me? Um, so once you even just have that moment, for sure, it doesn't mean that, you know, everything's going to be easy from there, but it, it does give you a sense of empowerment. And I think because when we go through a breakup and especially if, you know, maybe they broke up with us and the rug was kind of pulled out from under us and we didn't see it coming, we feel like we have no control. There's a real loss of and sense of control. Um, so, and that's what so many of us struggle with when we're going through that. We don't know how long it's going to be. Everything is an unknown and everything feels really out of our control. We're just kind of like waiting for things to take its course or waiting for that person to come back and make us feel better. So starting with this question and thinking, okay, like 
I'm going to bring it back to myself. Like, how do I bring the control back to me and take the reins back uh, is huge. And then for sure, get to work and um, start doing like, you know, work with a coach, take it. There's so many courses out there now too, books, all of that, listen to podcasts um, and start diving into the work. It's, um, it's, it gets so much easier the more that you do it. And um, you'll really start to feel differences and be able to look back on this with, with so much pride and, You'll come out of it way better for sure. Amazing. So normally I finish with, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? But you've just given an amazing one. So I think maybe we should leave it at that. And to your point about um, working on yourself, you offer one-on-one coaching. And you mentioned earlier, um, you have the breakup course that is launching soon and you already offer the 21 day self-worth challenge, correct? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to do the 21 or sorry, the, um, breakup level up course. It's something that a lot of people have requested, um, to it's a self-paced course. So it'll be something that people can do on their own time and it'll have video, video modules and, um, audio recordings and things you can read and exercises, journaling prompts, like literally the whole package to, to what you kind of need to go through. Um, so that'll be ready this month, May, um, Um, And then, yeah, the 21 day self-worth challenge is something that you can do right now, um, self-paced as well. Uh, And every day, uh, basically your member library, um, like your portal gets like a new piece of content dripped into um, your library every day. So it's lots of different things to help you um, start to peel back the layers of uh, essentially the the self-worth wound and and how to improve your confidence and um, how to let go. Like that's a, that's a huge theme in there. A lot of people who have gone through breakups have gone through that 21 day challenge as well. Um, And then yeah, one-on-one coaching for sure is, is something that I I love. I love working with people one-on-one and, and seeing the transformations. I'll link to all of this on the website, 30 and a bit.com. And your Instagram is the hype hyped up healing. Perfect. You got it. Yes. Come on over. (laughs) Amazing. Everyone, please follow Mackenzie. This was such an exciting conversation. I think your view on it, like look at the positives that you've learned and that you brought even just starting at being vulnerable at the start of a relationship, be proud of that. Be proud of how much you've given yourself to someone else and think about all the other um, just positive triumph triumphs, as you call them, you've had during the relationship and think about that and you can kind of spin it around that way. It's interesting. I haven't looked at it like that before. It's all about the mindset. Everything starts and ends in the mind. And it's it's just all about retraining your mind. Um, it's just so powerful and, and liberating. Thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Pete. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please give this podcast a five-star review. This really helps with growing and reaching a bigger audience. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast, and we will be back next week.